Hey, everybody, this is Dan Trottencheck from the Taking Care of Business podcast, and we're glad to have you back. Uh, once again, we, we, we hopefully have an exciting podcast for you today. We have a return visitor, Jim Robish from the Farnsworth Group, uh, who's been on the market trail with me so far this year, is back to talk about everything from retailers who get it right to what's going on with tariffs and what we can expect for uh, this year to shape up in the industry. So uh, we uh, hope you join us and listen to the rest of the podcast and hear the exciting things we have to talk about. Thank you. Today's episode is brought to you by Sacrete. Are you looking to add quality concrete, mortar, and stucco mixes, as well as repair and specialty items to your product lineup? Sacrete provides the tools you need to run a better business, whether that's through exceptional customer support, sales and marketing tools, varied product assortments, or just finding reliable products. Sacrete offers knowledgeable retail experts that understand the needs of your store. To learn more, visit www.sacrete.com slash hardware retailing. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the uh, Taking Care of Business podcast. We have a uh, our first ever return visitor to the uh, Taking Care of Business Worldwide Studios here in Indianapolis. Uh, and that's Mr. Jim Robish from the Farnsworth Group. Um, Jim, you, you were my inaugural podcast, and the hue and cry from the industry has been such that we decided to have you back together again. In fact, you and I have talked a couple of times about maybe trying to take the Jim and Dan show on the road at some point. You and I crossed paths, man, I can't tell you how many times throughout the year at the various conferences and markets we go to. So how have you been since we last spoke, Jim? Uh, I've been great. You know, I did stop and look at Newell uh, buses for us to take on the road, but uh, I think we'll wait till next year on that budget. No, I've, I've been good. Uh, it is certainly a pleasure to be back. Uh, and when, uh, when you get asked back, I guess that means I didn't really tick off that many people in the first one. So, uh, Well, let's see what we can do this time. <laughs> all right, let's give her a go. I had someone, uh, someone who's a frequent listener of the podcast say to me after listening to our podcast, it was like, wow, it was just kind of like sitting in a bar and listening to Jim and Dan talk, except there was no alcohol involved. And, and of course, you can't see what's going on here, so maybe there is alcohol Well, involved. I'm glad we changed that, because I think it'll make for much more spontaneous responses. <laughs> so uh, when we talked uh, earlier this year, I mean, obviously, uh, a, a lot of, we've put a lot of ground under us since then, and Right now, as we sit here, we're kind of in the thick of what I call market season, where we're going to all the different markets and kind of making our rounds. What, uh, what, uh, what, what, are, what are some of the things that you've seen kind of develop in the industry this year and that you're hearing while you're out there that have kind of maybe surprised you a little bit or, or been a little bit different from what we maybe thought when we were sitting here before? I think one of the things that, uh, that I'm hearing uh, a little bit stronger than usual, uh, the excuse of weather as to why some people aren't performing as well as they, they maybe think they should be. Although then, now in the last couple months, we've seen people starting to pick up their business. So I think that is, is certainly good. Um, it, it always amazes me that, you know, they're upset when the, when the business is bad because of weather, and then they're upset when the business is good because of the weather. And, uh, but no, that, I think weather is one big thing. Uh, the other is that when you, and you've been to a bunch of shows, I've been to a bunch of shows, 
uh, talk to a lot of dealers. Um, for some reason, when you talk to the dealer base, it's like a different world because then you turn on the news and, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and I don't hear that hardly at all uh, from dealers. Uh, businesses seems to be, in some instances, very strong. some instances, it's very stable. Um, there are people that are down, but there's probably very good reasons for that, looking at who they are and the markets they're in. Uh, but for the most part, uh, they're quite positive. Uh, of course, they're cautiously optimistic, I think, as we look for going forward. Uh, but no, it's, it's a pretty strong attitude. I think dealer sentiment is very strong. And what we've seen in the past, as you well know, when sentiment is strong, they're much more likely to invest better in their business than they would if all of a sudden they think that the, you know, the R word is coming. Yeah. Uh, if they thought we were going into a recession, they wouldn't be spending like they are in investing in their business. Well, it's interesting when you talk about kind of the some of the differences between perception and kind of reality and what you see out in the field. I know I, I will say that one of the things that has certainly um, crept into more and more conversations, perhaps since we last talked, is the T word. And I'm referring to, of course, um, tariffs. Um, ah, yes. And I was just I was actually moderating a group discussion group not too long ago. And we were asking them what are some of the biggest kind of concerns that they faced in the year, and and a considerable number of them were talking about tariffs. And um, the general sentiment that I got from the group was not so much that they felt it was an inhibitor to doing business right now um, as far as consumers making purchases, but as you put it, they're cautious about what it could do. But one thing I, I have heard is, is, is oh, man, oh man, we're dealing with a lot of price changes and it's really hard to keep up with those. So, so what have you kind of been hearing um, out there about tariffs and their impact to this point on the industry? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, and uh, maybe take it in a couple steps. One is I think as the tariffs began, they were low and it takes a while for it to circle through the cycle and uh, very little feeling of, they had to make some price changes for sure. Uh, and then as the tariffs went up, uh, they started seeing a little bit tougher um, uh, price, I'll call it pressure. Uh, they had, one had to respond to keep their gross, gross margin in line, make money. Uh, but then they started, at least the, the ones who are very cognizant of their price position, like, man, we've really got to watch this because we'll be way out of price overnight right. if we don't change. And now it's not just, you know, a thousand items, it's, you know, three or 4,000 items that we're going to have to worry about. Uh, so I think that the initial concern was, yes, operationally, we were going to have to assign people to do the changes and make sure we're on top of that. But then it translated into this is a potential market image problem if we don't do that because we'll be positioned, you know, at the shelf level uh, to be higher priced than maybe we should be. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, it's grown. I think another thing is that, uh, you know, we, we kind of dodged a bullet, uh, short term, uh, when kind of said, okay, well, let's get through Christmas. Yeah. And I think that calmed a lot of people down. Um, and unfortunately I hope they don't get too calmed down because they're going to have to make up for it maybe after the, the first of the year. Uh, but I think there's a, there's a breathing spell here. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, is it going to go up again? Is it not? Uh, big question out there, and a lot of people concerned about it. At, at what point do you think that that? I, I mean, I don't know if the, we've reached this point yet, but you have a uh, you made a uh, uh, good statement here about kind of dodging this Christmas bullet, if you will. But 
at what point do you think consumer spending starts to show the impact of some of these rising prices? Or do you think we're already seeing it? I mean, something like, say, a lawnmower or, or, or something that, that might be heavily impacted by tariffs, at what point is a consumer going to say, you know, I, I, I'm just going to wait rather than paying 20 to 25 percent more for something? I think, like I said, initially it was minimal. Uh, it was not across all product categories. Uh, but now, and I think it ties in with the Christmas season, uh, people are going to start looking begin to start looking at prices a lot stronger than they have. Um, and now the transparency's there. Um, you know, where does everybody go? You know, if all of a sudden you're going to you know, buy some relatively expensive, well, <laughs> these days maybe not even expensive gifts, you're going to go to Amazon first and check the prices so yeah. you at least have a frame of reference, and that's how you're going to purchase. So, I mean, they're going to know it sooner or later, and I think just because they're buying so much more around the Christmas season, there will be some impact there. Now, the question is, is it going to, you know, slow them down from buying? I mean, we, we love to shop. Yeah. You know, we're a consumer-based economy, so uh, the, uh, our consumption-based economy. So I think it'll be felt sooner than later, probably because of the Christmas buying season, which, by the way, it amazes me. It's already started. Yeah, it's always oh, great. Always oh, great to see Christmas trees. And my wife August. and I were at the mall this this uh, this weekend, and they had a and, and we we're actually shopping at Von Mar, and they had their full Christmas display set up in the in the in the gift area. So I guess uh, I guess you're right. The the end of Christmas season now starts at the end of August. Well, Dan, you're you're much higher income. I I, yes. I don't go to Von Mar. <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in, in Walmart's where I saw the Christmas trees. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's kind of funny. Whenever my wife and I shop at Von Mar, it's usually not for ourselves. It's usually we're buying oh. things for others. Yeah, the kids, uh, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> A quick sidebar is when we were younger, we always used to take our, our youngest daughter to shop at Von Mar for, for things. And, and my parents once uh, took her to Walmart to look for a swimsuit when she was about five years old. And she said, Grandpa, are you trying to cheapen me? So, so we, well, I guess we're reaping what Yeah, we, but what, what was we, your answer? Yes. Yeah, 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 I guess we, we created those. Well, at least Von Mar has the nicest restrooms in Indianapolis at a store. <laughs> they do have very nice restrooms, indeed. But but we digress here. So yep. since, since we've already gone ahead and shifted gears, let's let's shift gears and talk about something else. Is, is you obviously talk with, in a variety of different ways, and, and consult with um, lots of different retailers of lots of different shapes and sizes, as through the Farnsworth Group, you guys are trying to help them set strategy and get the, get the kind of info Absolutely. that they need to... Uh, to grow their businesses. And also, as I said, you know, we go to kind of all these dealer markets and get to talk to a wide range of retailers there. I, I, I'm thinking we should start a podcast called Dealer Market Confidential, where we talk about all the all the rumors and things we hear at dealer markets. That, that hey, I'm in, but what would we call it? What would we call it? Convention? Market? <laughs> oh, show? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, reunion? There's, reunion, yeah, there, there, there you there's, go. Yeah, there's quite a, quite a few different things we go to. I guess I guess I shouldn't use the blanket term of dealer market, but, but coming out... That'll of the, get you in trouble with somebody, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Coming out of the first round of these events that we go to, what are some of the things you're hearing out there, whether it's sentiment toward the industry or things about trends that are going on, what's working, what categories are hot. What are, what are just some things you're hearing out there from the retailers you're working with? You know, it, it, this may sound a little bit odd, but uh, 
our dealer base is, is not one to make you aware of things they're displeased with. You know, that they, they never complain, and you're right. Uh, but one of the things I've noticed is across all, all of them, whatever flavor you want, they're very positive about their distributor, their wholesaler, their yeah. co-op, about the steps that they're taking to help them make their business better. And it's a rarity that you would hear that, but I hear that more and more and more, rather than, oh, that darn so-and-so, and that, you yeah. know, now, boy, they're, they're grabbing the, the reins and we're, we're going to take off, whether it has to do with e-commerce platforms, whether it has to do with how they approach advertising, how they approach bringing in new products to, you know, extend their reach in terms of a, a customer base they're missing or so on. Uh, and that's something that we really, or at least I've not heard that much in the past, but I've heard more and more. I think it started last spring, but yeah. especially, you know, this, this latter round, uh, uh, much stronger sentiment in that regard. Yeah. And, and I mean, while the folks at distributors might disagree with that because they probably get some of that that negative feedback. I would, I, I guess, I would have to agree with you that yeah. that. Um, oh yeah, they're going to keep getting the negative, sure. right? You know that that things do seem to kind of go through cycles, but it's we seem to be in a cycle right now where a, a lot of retailers are just putting their heads down and trying to find ways to make things work at retail, and and, and I think that. Sometimes, I mean, you know, with whatever circle you're running with, we can get a little bit misguided and think that, um, you know, retailers are constantly thinking about things like, oh, am I with the right distributor? Or, oh, you know, is what's going on with my product lines and so on. And a lot of times retailers are just thinking, what do I have to do to get the store open tomorrow and make sure my registers are covered and, and, and that kind of thing. And we certainly see a lot of that heads down kind of retailing right yeah, now. Yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, there are ones that always think the grass is greener on the other side. But uh, at this point, I think they're focused on so many other issues to keep keep themselves relevant in the market. Uh, they finally either realize that it's not really grass on the other side. There's a lot of weeds there, too. Yeah. Let's stick with what we've got and work it as hard as we can and get ahead. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, I mean, credit where credit's due, too. I think from the distribution community, they, uh, I mean, they certainly actively are trying to go out there and develop programs to help solve retail reality they issues. Are. Talking about the retailers, what are some of the things these days that you get more retailers coming to you guys for help with? What are some of the things that say, Jim, we need some insight and guidance from 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 a group like yours, and and because we can't figure out kind of strategy path on our own. Yeah, I think the uh, umbrella would be how do we compete at all, not maybe better, but compete at all with online retailing. Yeah. And, you know, Amazon always comes into play, and we have to remind them that, yeah, we'll look at what Depot and Lowe's are doing and to develop their e-strategy. Um, but uh, within the, uh, the context of that, a big one is media mix and communicating. How do we best reach out and actually reach a customer? Because there's, you know, 15 alternative media uh, mediums that could be used, and... Where do I, where's my spend go? Um, and what's going to be most effective? And unfortunately, they're, I think they're looking for that silver bullet that, okay, industry-wide, this is what yeah. it is. And, yeah, it's, it's still there, you know, to a certain extent. But now, I mean, you've got to match your uh, spend with the media that's being used most in your market. And that's a huge question. Yeah, so it's market, like a lot of things, it's really market by market. But 
you know, I'll tell you, I hear, and, and there's certainly a good case to be made for, it's not even just market by market. It could also be promotion by promotion or incidents by incidents Indeed. in terms of outreach. Because because I, I've been in groups of retailers talking before, particularly where they start debating the whole print versus digital and, and, and outreach to the consumer marketplace. And and I've heard retailers say, yeah, I understand that digital is, is more a part of our mix these days. But man, every time I run a circular, I get a paper circular, I get customers walking into my store with that circular in their hand. Are, are you seeing that same kind of like battle for hearts and minds taking place? We sure are. That's a that's a big dilemma. And the other thing is, and you do a lot of roundtables, as do I, um, you get 10 people in a room and you've got five that's saying one method works and five saying, no, it doesn't, this works. I think we're going to have to rationalize what the optimal mix is. Uh, digital is here. It's and digital, I'm surprised how many people, when somebody says digital, think they're talking about social media. Right. And I mean, there's confusion as to actually what the, the medias are, and uh, uh, but which one is the best. And, you know, the, the optimal mix is going to be, you know, you're going to have to have digital. You are going to have to have some print. You know, unfortunately, there are some newspapers going out of business. Uh, but I think uh, while you're on that topic, one that we discovered and we just completed a a uh, huge uh, industry-wide communication study, uh, which will be being presented and available. Actually, we're going to do that, I believe, in the December high-performance retailing, and let you talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit, too. Yeah, uh, but one of the things that keeps popping up is in the store. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You know what? So the question to the, the retailers are, what are you doing in, the, in your store if people aren't listening to or reading your ads what are you doing in the store when you've got them a captive audience? What are you telling them? What's your messages? And most importantly, how in this day and age, how are you positioning price? Oh, well, yeah, and 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 what what are you seeing in those regards? What what is the what, what is the mix that you're seeing, or what are what are progressive retailers doing in that regard? Do you think? I think the most progressive are doing a real good job uh, at making sure that a couple things are in order. One is they are clearly communicating who they are, what their, their branding, what their mission is, and their branding around that. So when you walk into a store, it's very clear what they are about before you get to any product price uh, people. The next thing is I've seen a lot of attention uh, to this much more intense in-store signage, whether it be aisle interrupters or in-cap signage or whatever it is, uh, that basically shows, hey, this is a great value. Uh, you know, you need, this is a low price. You need to buy this right now. Uh, and third, and this is a, you know, one that gets a little bit further into it, is that the education of people on the floor, I think, has taken on a new dimension. You know, we always, you know, had product knowledge and all that, but somewhere along the, the way, I think we lost that touch of we have to sell too right so i think there's a, a much higher attention being paid and i think it's coming down from the top in many of the companies we work with that you know we need to sell as well as educate when when you're on the floor uh, so i think all of those are you know it's an it's an underused underrealized media that can be used and, and you got people in the store i yeah. mean it's not like we're, we're lacking on people in the store uh, it's what are we doing with them when we get them there? Well, and, and uh, you know, certainly from from my impression and what we continue to see is, 
you know, I, I talk a lot about how the entire concept of service, the entire concept of convenience is different today than it was 15 years ago. And, and, and to truly stand out from, you know, it's always easy to bash on the boxes and say, oh, the boxes have crappy service. You know, sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's not true. We've all had um, varying of, levels. A lot of our local market data, Dan, suggests just the opposite. Yeah. But, but that's not maybe because it is. It's because how service has been redefined in the mind of that particular customer. Well, but but in all fairness, too, Jim. I mean, I've walked in. You and I have probably visited more independent stores than independent home improvement stores than just about anybody uh, out there. Don't but, remind me. <laughs> yeah, right. And I gotta say, I go into a share of independent home improvement stores, and I think, oh man, the the, the service level isn't maybe what they think it is. Um, and and so when you say that that there's business owners on the independent side that are kind of reconsidering how they educate, how they sell, how they close the sale, that kind of holistic approach, um, I guess it's encouraging, but it's also something that I don't know if it's a, uh, is it a option anymore? I mean, you know, the, the big boxes, consumer attitudes changing uh, about service and what we're seeing with online. Don't you think that it's something that has to happen? I mean, independent retailers have to rethink how they provide service, how they close the sale, how they provide convenience. I totally agree. I'd put it in the context of you want to compete with online retailing. So what are your weapons? Okay, well, one is you can't have mediocre service or even above average service. You have to, even more than differentiate, you have to wow people. Right. When they come in... You have to have them leaving your store saying, wow, that was a great experience. I can't get this online. And, you know, even if you buy it online and pick it up in the store, you still got the opportunity to hit them then. Uh, but this whole wow factor. And, you know, we used to always talk about being best of class and all that. Well, now it's, it's become real. It's not something you'd strive to do. Now it's mandatory if you really want to achieve high performance. Well, part of part of the problem too, and, and and that I think this is part of what you guys do, and part of hopefully what we do is your definition of wow and my definition of wow. If I'm a retailer, could be very different. Oh know? yeah, and not not only that. Typically, the retailer's definition of wow is a lot different than what their customers are. Oh, absolutely, and and as as uh, customers continue to be shaped by these other competitive retail. Uh, entities that are out there it's it's a moving target there's not one oh, simple yeah. you know thing that changes it but so. i think you hit on a good point because you know we we're studying a, a lot of the data that we get both industry data we develop and also local market data and the customer is so different whether it's generational um you know whether it's uh oh it, it could be just the uh, the type of projects they're doing uh, and service to them is very different yeah. across those. Now, what's interesting, and I'll tip my hat a little bit, what we found in the communication study we just did was that how you communicate to them really isn't that much different. Hmm, so at least that's one area where you can be consistent. Yeah. But the whole service issue is, well, we did a uh, an interesting internal, uh, we were developing a project. Um, we got all our millennial staff involved and started asking, okay, well, what do you, what do, you do? You know, how do you define this and how do you shop? And it was amazing to see the differences of how they define things. 
So, you know, it's a, it's a small sample and you never use your own family for a sample, but it was quite revealing to us as to, you know, and this was purely to engineer the perfect methodology for a study we were doing, uh, but it's absolutely out there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think it's, well, yeah, I don't think from a technical standpoint you use your family as a sample. I look at my family and the way they behave as consumers all the time because I always think, you know, my wife's in a certain demographic. I'll, I'll avoid listing the demographic that she would fall into, but but she's in a certain demographic. My daughters are in certain demographics. And look, at least to form my opinions on, well, how are they behaving? Because sometimes in reality, it's very different than you'd say the stereotype might be for a millennial or a Generation X or a baby boomer or whatever it might be. That, that's kind of why we did it. When I said family, I'm referring to my Farnsworth group family. I probably just upset them when they hear this. <laughs> uh, but no, you're absolutely right. It's it's very different. Um, you know the old, you know how how may I help you and let me take you to the uh, to the product and the aisle that you're looking for now sometimes is interpreted to you. Why are you following me? Like you're, I'm going to be a shoplifter. It, it, oh, exactly. So it, it, in all this discussion, I want, I want to play a game with you here for a second. You, you and I get, like I said, we, we obviously get to go to a lot of stores and, and it, it, I, I don't think we should avoid naming names in this and, and, but, but in a good way. And, and, and I want to ask you, who's an example of, of someone that gets it right? Well, it gets it right. Yeah, that, that uh, you think, and, and, and no one's going to get it right 100% of the time, but but who is an example of a, a retailer that, that you feel really, you know, gets the store experience, that customer service experience down right? And, and I mean, there's a lot of examples of people who do good re- retailing. But there are, but one of the yardsticks we measure against a lot of times in best of class would be Jerry's out in Eugene, Oregon. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, yeah. Uh, they... They exceed expectations on everything. They yeah. want to be the best. Uh, they want to be the best of class. Um, and I will mention them because there aren't a lot of people. A lot of people like to be that way, but they just can't. Yeah, can't, can't get there. Uh, so I, I would certainly mention them first. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I'll, I'll go to the other opposite end of the country. Um, I thought you were going to say go to the opposite of the scale. Like, well, let's not do that. Let's okay, I go to the opposite of the <laughs> Who are retailers scale? that really yeah. get it yeah. wrong, yeah. Jim? Well, I remember that time we went to Dan and Jim's Hardware. Yeah. God, oh, it was oh awful. God, yeah. <laughs> Those guys are jerks, yeah. If, if you're down in Florida, um, if you've ever gone to Sunshine Ace. Oh, absolutely, uh, sure. In, yeah. in uh, Bonita Springs, um, they clear your best of class. I mean, it's a unique yeah. store. Um, not that they... All of them, even Jerry's, can't improve on certain things. Uh, but it's a good example of, of how you strive to be best of class you can be. You know, and I always think it's interesting because, you know, you started out by talking about weather and how weather, it's, you know, certainly plays a factor. And I think this year has been an odd weather year in a lot of parts of the country. But a lot of times, you know, people will joke with us about, you know, weather is an excuse. If it's good weather, it could be an excuse. If it's bad weather, it could be an excuse. And I think when it comes to kind of getting the retail formula right, and you make another good point, is that any one of the retailers we talk about would all tell you, oh, yeah, we have lots of room to improve. And, but... Uh, you really lot- think that? <laughs> I hear the, well, you know, we're pretty good, and you're like, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I think there's some of that as well. But I'm sorry, uh, go ahead. <laughs> but... Uh, but, you know, a lot of times people can use as an excuse, well, you know, I, 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 I'm in a small community and I don't have to be, but, 
But then there's retailers out there, and one of them that comes to mind for me are, are the Buckeye stores, which are in uh, you know Missouri and Illinois, and these yeah. are rural retailers that that you know kind of serve that rural population. Although there, there's some in, in somewhat larger cities, but and I use them as an example of someone who. Um, are, are in these somewhat, somewhat secondary or tertiary even markets, but you go into their stores and the presentation is like nothing you've ever seen. I kind of say that at times they're like a, a combination of a, of, a, of a Home Depot, a tractor supply, um, a Bass Pro, and a Cracker Barrel. I mean, that's probably, you know, as best that's as I could describe it. Yeah. yeah. Describe their retail presentation. But you can really tell retailers like that that put the thought into how we go to market and every step of the way. And I think all three of the retailers we've, we've talked about here, if you talk to the management teams at all of them, they're constantly questioning how do we get better? How do we respond to the they threats? What are. do we do in different ways? And, and I think- You know the other thing, let me interrupt you, whether you like it or not. Uh, <laughs> Feel free. They all have their own personality. Oh, absolutely, that, yeah. That they have honed in They've kind of perfected it, but it's always seems to be evolving a little bit, you know, from the, the pot bellies running around in Buckeye stores to... <laughs> yes, they know, actually walk pigs in, 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 in the store. Exactly. And, and as you pointed yeah. out, people, yeah, that's, will, that's just, people will pay to walk well, so, pigs in yeah, the store. Yeah, yeah I, uh, <laughs> I find that interesting <laughs> for sure. Or, or like you go to Jerry's and they've got benches in the main aisles and people just sitting there like they're, you know, on a... On a sidewalk someplace walking watching traffic go by they have these personalities and they've built it they're not trying to you know duplicate something that maybe work for somebody else uh and you know some of it they're you know maybe 80 percent of it's duplication of something that they've seen sure. someplace else but there's that other 20 percent that is such a unique personality that is so sharp and i, I think it goes back to mission statements what are we going to be right and following it and and, and and how does that not just be a plaque that we hang on the wall but how do we implement that and have guiding principles and, and mission statement that that really resonate throughout the company from top to bottom and yep. and, and i think you could see a lot of commonality in all of those guys and that that by certainly is ones that come to mind, but no, you know, it's a short list of, of hundreds of other great examples. Um, I think another key thing that those, all those teams that we've talked about have in mind is, you know, you and I, like you said, we're involved in a lot of roundtables. We go to a lot of events and these are a lot of the same faces you end up seeing at those events. So there's this kind of constant search for or quest for more knowledge, whether it's participating in a roundtable, coming to conferences, coming to the National Hardware Show, things like that where these retailers it's it's not a it, you know it's 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 not that they're be able to do these things because they're best in class they're best in class because they do these things that's a, an excellent point they do not shy away of investing in to the future of the company and not just investing in product right uh, you know, they take their people they expose them to things they have them talking um, you know, beyond the typical, I mentioned it before, and nothing wrong with the advanced course in hardware retailing, which I didn't do very well on it, like I said. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it's way beyond that. Yeah. You know, this, this is how you act in a store, and if you have a problem. Phones. Yeah. You know, people are like, well, you know, we've got to work on our, our website and all this, and, you know, okay. So well, what happens if you're, you're on a website and you can't do it? You call the store? Well, right. What if you get three different connections and none of them answers the phone. Right. 
Uh, you going to be a happy customer? No. So I think it's things like that, the little things that, that they always stay on top of. Uh, uh, you know, if you can wow somebody with your phone service, you've done a lot. Well, and it's those, and again, it's the, the little details. I mean, you know, we'll, we can take you through a whole process um, of the chain of events that started unfolding at, at Buck Heights that really transformed their operation simply because one of the executives at the company tried to get a cold drink out of a, a refrigerator at the front of the store and there were no cold drinks there. And, and the chain of events that that started that, that really helped transform I the company. I seem to recall something about that, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, and he was not happy at all. No, not at all. <laughs> but, but it changed things for the positive for them. And, and, and I think another thing that you know we've named some companies, and all of them are relatively large companies, but I, I also think of other retailers like Crest Hardware uh, in, in, in Brooklyn, New York, run by Joe Franquino, who's been a frequent contributor for, for hardware retailing and also at some of our conferences. Oh, he's great. He's and, great. and here's a guy that runs a small, single-store operation, but it reflects his community. He's involved in his community. He goes all over the industry. He's hungry for knowledge. And and for a small, single-store operator, he uh, I, I mean, he is, is doing tremendous business and has a truly unique experience. So it's not, you know, you go back to those excuses and the excuse of saying, well, that's great. I can't go do these things. I, I've just got my one store. Well, here's one example of, again, Joe's one example of many of retailers that run single stores that go out there and get involved and do things and, and, and engage in research and go to conferences. Perfect example of a store reflecting a personality of his mission. Absolutely. And I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable. But, you know, I think if you look, not the personality of the store, but maybe the personality of the owners or the, or the managers, uh, one of the things you, you just brought it up is it's not, oh, guys, we can't do that. It's how do we do that and get it done? And, and that's what they're good at. They're good at finding out, okay, what's it going to take to be best? What's it going to take to make sure that we're living up to what we're telling people we're about, what our mission is, and let's get it done. And then let's go back and measure, have we done it or haven't we done it? And if you haven't done it, why not and what needs to be changed? That's what makes these people the, the wow folks, I guess. Yeah. I, I was at a conference earlier this year and heard a, a, a great speaker uh, who from, uh, from the Wharton School, a little, little small little fly-by-night educational operation out there, but, but she had a great quote that I use in some of my presentations now where she said, you know, in, in the discussion of what Amazon and online retailers is doing, she said, brick-and-mortar retail is not dead. Bad brick-and-mortar retail is dead. And I just thought that Excellent. was such a, such a telling statement of saying, and, and she went on to say that, if you have a unique physical in-store presence, you will be able to make it as a brick and mortar retailer. And I think anytime we see these kind of major shifts in retailing, whether it was the advent of the big boxes kind of 25, 30 years ago, or, or online retail now, it's the good, well-run, unique retailers that, are, that, that reflect their communities and that invest in things like participating and learning from each other or engaging in research to make themselves better that are the ones that actually thrive, not just survive. That is for sure. The other thing I think we're talking about that, you know, I don't know how often you're hearing this, but this whole issue is, well, we can't be as good as we want because we can't keep good people and all that. I think the people who really do well magically somehow, since others seem not to be able to do it, 
are keeping people, and part of that is engaging the up-and-comers to take responsibility, giving them the responsibility to get something done, let them understand what it's like to be you know, successful, what it's like to not be successful, because uh, these guys don't run the stores, and gals don't run their stores by themselves. They've got teams of dedicated people who you know, they bleed the mission of the company. No, absolutely. And, and again, not to, not to beat the same drum, but you go back to some of the retailers we were just talking about, guys like, like uh, down at Sunshine Ace, who put a lot of thought and a lot of investment to how do, we, how, do we, how do we invest in our employees? How do we listen to and engage our employees? And it's not to say that they wouldn't say they have a hard time perhaps retaining and hiring good people, but they certainly take, take um, steps to get the most out of the people they have and, and, and also make it a good place to work. Yep, they sure do. Absolutely. So uh, let's uh, let's switch gears once more. And you, you touched on something earlier that I want to talk about for for a minute here as we're as we're kind of wrapping up this episode of the Dan and Jim Show. Um, but is a, a little uh, uh, project that we're working on together that that is new this year. Yes, um, we are. And it's uh, it's a, uh, um, a project that we're working on called high performance retailing. And this um, is currently a printed in the pages of Hardware Retailing Magazine quarterly. And the idea behind the publication was to uh, provide maybe a, a little bit more strategic view of what's going on in the industry. And it was really kind of a evolution of a project we worked on together, Farnsworth Group and NRHA years ago called Home Improvement Data Magazine. And, uh, and why don't you talk to us a little bit about kind of from your perspective, Jim, what we're, what, what we're doing in that regard and, and, and um, how Farnsworth is involved with it. Yeah, I'd uh, be glad to. Thank you, Dan. Um, two things about that. One is, um, as, as all great ideas do it, uh, seem to, this started on a cocktail napkin. <laughs> Probably quite literally. And I, and I don't know what show we were at, but, <laughs> but then we, we got a little more serious, so we ended up going to Starbucks to discuss it. Uh, but uh, we all recognize that, and this is a compliment on the independent retailer, they're becoming much more sophisticated, yeah. some of them. And not that you know the contents of the existing publications out there and specifically harder retailing aren't excellent at what they do, but there was a need, as we uh, ascertained, with the higher level, really the higher performance retailers to get them actionable information, um, a broad perspective of information to help them manage their business uh, using data to drive higher revenue performance and certainly profit performance. Um, so yes, we uh, uh, September in the September issue. Yeah, uh, you, you got to grab it. You got to got to read it. Um, it it will evolve, but uh, it's you know we're certainly happy to be part of it. But yeah, it's a it's a data driven, you know, a lot of market research, not just Farnsworth Group research, but research and perspectives from all all around uh, to give people information to better manage their business. Almost, you know, in this vein of trying to become a wower, you know, yeah, being best of class. And from our perspective, we wanted to add to the very operational, tactical information we provide through hardware retailing Which by is really, by, by really, thank you, by really uh, broadening that to provide a little bit more of this kind of strategic level of of 
of information and data. And so, yes, as Jim said, the first uh, first uh, issue of that is included with the September issue of Hardware Retailing. So I would encourage everyone to check that out. And we were just sitting down, quite honestly, before this podcast, planning the next year's worth of content for high-performance retailing. And we got some really interesting stuff coming up. Hey, it's um, exciting. It yeah, really is. And, and, and as always, you know, we, one of the reasons we, we like working with you guys at, at Farnsworth is because our missions are so aligned and, uh, and, and we like to think that we complement each other well. So, so I couldn't agree more. So uh, with that said. And that I mean, we sh- also share a tailor. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and once again for 2019, uh, Jim and Dan were voted uh, the, the two of the hottest guys in the, in the hardware industry. That's so, right. You know. the, the leading industry podcast there is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Jim, thanks so much for joining us again. Uh, everybody out there, make sure you look for the copy of High Performance Retailing Magazine. And if you are a retailer or manufacturer or or distributor and you want to get those kind of industry insights and, and, and grab some information or get a better look at your market or trading area, do not hesitate to reach out to Jim and our friends over at the Farnsworth Group. It is what they do and, and they are the best at what they do. So um, if you are sitting around listening to this podcast and think, I want to make sure that my operation is like some of the other guys we talked about, a great first step would be reading High Performance retailing and hardware retailing and then picking up the phone and giving Jim a call. So Jim, thank you so much for coming back and talking to me. It is is always a pleasure. All right. Well, hopefully we'll have you back maybe in 2020. We'll have you back on again. (laughs) Sounds good to me, Dan. All right. Thanks, Jim. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to make sure everybody listening knows that if you're an independent home improvement retailer in the United States or Canada, you're already a member of the North American Retail Hardware Association. And so that means if you're a hardware store, home center, or lumberyard and you're independently owned, you're already a member of NRHA. And the NRHA has been in existence since 1900 and serves its members in a variety of ways, from Hardware Retailing Magazine and our two podcast series to exclusive research and events, the association is here to help you become better and more profitable business owners. So we encourage you to make sure you take advantage of the services that are available to you that can help you better compete. To learn more about what NRHA does for you, make sure you visit us at www.nrha.org. This episode of Taking Care of Business with Dan Trottenjack is being brought to you by one of our fantastic sponsors, Member Insurance. Are you seeking an insurance agent who truly understands the unique risks of your business? You can let the 47-year history and industry experience of Member Insurance go to work for you. Did you know that Member Insurance is member-owned? They offer annual dividends. Member Insurance provides superior claim service 24-7 and offers 24-hour roadside assistance. And Member Insurance even provides free risk management and free HR consultations. And this is brand new from them. They just announced that Member Insurance is offering a three-year business owner's policy with locked-in rates. So if you're a hardware store, home improvement store, you're definitely going to want to check out the services they have to offer. And to learn more about Member Insurance, please visit www.memberinsurance.com.